Welcome What's to What's up, Served, everybody? Jensen a podcast Cummings recognizing here. unsung hospitality heroes. Join Today Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who have impacted their lives and careers. And job From childhood guides to ass-kicking mentors to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. We need to have more transparency. We need to have better communications. We need to ask better questions, really. We've done so much to kind of put everybody in the tiniest box possible. And we spend almost no time understanding the humans on the other side of a resume, on the other side of the table when we're interviewing. So I think this is super important for us to understand. All right. This episode, the bait and switch job offer, it's something like you you know, you all know, I, I tell on myself a lot that I've been guilty of doing stupid shit when it came to hiring, thinking that I had this great system of evaluating talent and blah, blah, blah. This is one I have no experience with. The bait and switch job offer wasn't something that I realized was a, a chronic issue in our industry until I started reading responses to a lot of the questions that I ask in, uh, in different social media groups. And it came up a lot where people thought they were walking in to interview for a sous chef position and turns out they're trying to pay me $13 an hour for an entry level line cook position. So things like that came up again and again. So I wanted to take a moment and kind of just give it a platform to speak on it. I, it makes sense to me because we're just we're not being transparent. We're trying to we're trying to trick people and sometimes prey on our passions for this industry to put ourselves in a vulnerable position. So fascinating how the hell we got here. So I want to talk about it a little bit. So I'm going to bring in a couple guests to speak on it. Uh, Chef Ellen Duffy, I want to bring you in now. Good to see you. Hi, Jensen. Good to see you too. All right. Uh, where are you from? Give us a little bit of uh, background on uh, kind of your trajectory in the industry. Oh, well, I'm from Manchester, New Hampshire, which is technically a suburb of Boston. I've been in the industry for a grand total of 20 years, starting out as um, with my high school job um, in a yeah. serious capacity. I've been in the industry for about, I'd say, 10 to 15 years in a professional okay. capacity. Okay, understood. And oh, we're going to get into this topic. And uh, you've been on before, so you know Tableside is all about just real raw sharing what the hell is going on in our lives, good, bad, indifferent. So I appreciate you being on once again. All right, I want to bring on Keisha now. And uh, Keisha, first time on the show. Keisha, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. So tell us kind of where you are and a little bit of your trajectory in this uh, in this wild and crazy industry. <laughs> well, I'm in Chicago and uh, started really young, like 14, but professionally probably like 13 years, but retired now. So <laughs> not, no longer in the back of the house. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of us are having to like navigate just burnout. For me, it was like I've 15 years of 70 hour work weeks, like you just burn right. out. And I think that it's it's part of it is like uh, Chef the Alan Plumman. Uh, I know <laughs> Chef Alan Plumman's mentioned this. He talked about how we we refer to people in the kitchen as bodies or like the term hands. And it's like we're not even human enough to be more than just taking up space. And it's just uh it. It, it makes a lot of sense to me now how I put myself and even others in that position. You get just so caught up in the machine. So appreciate you both being on. All right. At, at a high level, I want to break this down a little bit. Uh, let's, Ellen, come to you first. 
Have you experienced this? Have you seen this? Like, what's the deal with this bait and switch, either like in the interview process or even when you get all the way through and get the job? What's going on here? Uh, yes, I've both heard and experienced it. Uh, a lot of times, I, I think it has to do with the fluid nature of any restaurant, especially if you're working for a small business. Uh, when you are, typically ownership's trying to achieve their own dreams and they're hoping for the best, so they don't always know what they can offer you um, to give them the benefit of the doubt. On the other side of the coin, uh, what you touched on with referring to back of the house people as bodies, I've heard a, a respected chef say, if you can fog up a mirror, we'll hire you. <laughs> Which yeah, is, right. it's, it's funny as a, as a little saying, but it's not funny for the human beings who are back behind the line. So um, a little bit of a reality, right? Or like, do they have a pulse? Great, I'll hire yeah, If you have a pulse, you're welcome. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that a lot of times, uh, those of us who are trying to achieve the dream of moving up the ladder from say dishwasher to head chef, we're so hungry that we wear it on our sleeves and that gets taken advantage of. Uh, we'll get an offer from an employer of the moon and the stars and promotions and a title. And we'll take that title in lieu of a sustainable wage. Um, I've done it myself. I took the title my first time on a wage that I couldn't sustain because I was so happy to have it. And um, what ensued after that was, uh, you know, I was essentially washing every dish in the house. <laughs> I was a janitor. I was a line cook. I was writing the menu. And then as soon as they were done with me, uh, they got rid of me. All they just wanted the recipes, the marketing, and the, the contacts, you know. But I jumped at that because I was naive and hungry and excited. And I think that helped a lot of people. It was not a true chef to cooking job. Yeah, we, we get sold a kind of a bill of goods a lot. And I mentioned that we prey on our own passions and then we allow that to be preyed on within the industry as well. Uh, you, you mentioned something, the, the fluid nature. I'm interested in this. And Keisha, I want to come to you maybe to kind of pose this. And then I want to hear your personal story. Let's stay on this for a moment. But I'm thinking about the fluid nature. And so to your point, like you don't always know exactly what you're hiring for. And and I have I have some empathy for that. Yet the reality is you have to, the business has to be responsible for that, not the person who's potentially getting hired. And we are shifting the responsibility to the person on the other side saying, well, here, we maybe have this. Are you willing to take it? And they've set themselves in a position to say, I have time, money, effort to get here, to be prepared, to do whatever I need to do to get this job. So I'm, I'm fascinated in that dynamic of it have you have you recognized that keisha for you where the restaurant no doesn't training. know what it needs right no it doesn't training, know what no it accountability needs. from upper management of course i have yeah. <laughs> of course it's i mean it's still i mean there's not a chef that hasn't experienced that where there's no mentoring mentoring oh that's a god that's another i mean really like cool. what she had to do she had to do everything where who helped her with the menu who helped her who guided her nobody she was handed the restaurant at a horrible salary and expected to what make rainbows out of poop, yeah. you know <laughs> and it doesn't happen and then the owners get mad because it doesn't happen and they yeah. let her go and then they find the next gullible person it happens all the time uh, tell us uh, uh, where you're at and maybe just a little bit of your trajectory in the industry. Sure. Okay. Right now I'm in the Cat Catskills on New York. 
I have been here um, since for the quarantine, the coronavirus shutdown. My um, last position is with Cindy's rooftop front of house in Chicago. Um, that's mm -hmm. on the Magnificent Mile and yep. very busy, a lot of volume. Um, but I have been uh, front of the house for 30 years. I've worked for three James Beard awarded chefs. Um, Bartender, serving, managing, um, beverage director, um, Hawaii, Chicago, New York, and Florida. So, um, so I feel like I've, I'm an old veteran of the industry, but um, but yeah, that's kind of where I've been. Um, Good. Well, I want to I want to bring you into a topic uh, and let you speak on this. So, this bait and switch job offer thing was something that I didn't realize was was an issue because it's not something that that I ever put out there. But we've heard both from Ellen and Keisha and dozens and dozens of other people that we've interacted with that, yeah, a lot of times you think you're going in for a lead server position, working, you know, Friday and Saturday, big money nights, and you come in and they're like, we're going to give you a AM lunch position yeah. and, and yeah. a lot of these things. You're just trying to get bodies. What yeah. that is if they can fog up a mirror, we'll hire them type of stuff. And and so I wanted to hear from you, kind of your yes. thoughts on that. Have you experienced that? There's a, a few type of, um, I feel like, it, um, exploitive situations that they, that I've seen over the years. Um, there is that that staff of where, or that management style of where you have your, um, your, your lead people that get all the best cuts. If it, think of it like yeah. the staff is um, a family and everybody sits around eating and there's like a subset of staff that get, just get scraps. They just get barely enough shifts to get by just, and they're the worst shifts just to fill in so that the other staff can have a smooth ride. Um, you know, I, it happens. It's one of those things where some people just have to kind of stay at the same job to work their way into that better role. Um, but there's sometimes that it, there's no, there's no um, real path forward. You're just being kind of, you know, exploited in that sense and you're lied to. I've also, I mean, there's, I think the one bait and switch experience where I really felt like I was exploited was I was, um, I answered an ad in, in 2006 for a hotel restaurant that promised benefits. Um, and after 90 days, you're, as long as you work 40 hours a week, you're, um, you get the benefit package. And I, I was hired in September, worked holidays, worked clopins over the weekends, I made money, but not better than at the job that I had left that didn't offer benefits. And 87 days in, they took myself and three other people that were hired in that same class completely off the schedule because they didn't want to give us the benefits. And at that point, it's it's January, it's Chicago, it's very slow. So I gave up a decent job for the hope of benefits just to have no job and no access to unemployment because you're only hired for that short period of time. Um, if they, if the hotel had offered a seasonal position or been straightforward, they wouldn't have gotten the the um the applicants, the quality of applicants, yep. because I would have left a full time job for a seasonal one. So I really felt like that was the 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 bait and switch. Like you were offered one thing and then. You gave up everything to do for that deal, and then it was like 
off the table. So Heather, this is such this is fucking bullshit. Yeah. Because I know exactly the situation you're talking about. Uh, this now I've heard people talk about a lot more throughout my career. Now it's making a little more sense to me. I was thinking about it in the offer itself. Yet what you're talking about, as you know, you know, they set a calendar reminder to make sure. I mean, I was even going to the management and being like, what paperwork do I need to fill out to start my insurance? And they were like, oh yeah, we'll get to that next week. The runaround. It was always horrible. It was always the intention. See that kind of stuff. You just know, especially like, uh, having spent a lot of the formative time of my career in Colorado, right? It's a, it's a at will work state. So you do have 90 days for any reason to get rid of somebody and they have no recourse whatsoever. And you just what know. What state that isn't an at will? What state isn't at will? Yeah, it's a good point. So anybody, yeah, it's I like. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I've never been to an at will or a state that isn't at will. <laughs> well, Keisha, I wanted, I wanted to come back to you, Keisha, for a second. And uh, and specifically, Ellen and, and Heather kind of told their story, their experience with it. This was interesting. You and I were, were rapping back and forth a little bit on yeah. our different experiences for a while and uh, kind of venting to each other a little yeah. bit. And I was talking about this topic specifically, and you're like, I don't know that I've dealt with that. And then you went way back, and you're like, I have yeah. dealt with that. Well, and it kind of you know, standard and expectation. So take us back a little bit now that you're kind of like reflecting on the fact that you have been put in this vulnerable situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I so I cook, so you know, your both of your experiences are sound horrible, and I'm really sorry. Like, it's just messed up. Like after working so long in the industry, when you hear this stuff, I'm just like, what the hell is wrong? Like, what is wrong with us to put up with this and like not do anything about it? It's just like crazy. So, I mean, like mine, you know, being a cook is a little, I don't know, like you're, you're really free spirited to go, you know, you can walk into a kitchen and be like, let me stage here. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And then they're boom, I'm hired. (laughs) So it's not like, oh, if I leave one job, oh, what am I going to do with my life? You know, so it's like, oh, just next door to the restaurant there you know somebody it makes it makes a lot of sense so for so like that's why it took me a while to realize about like what the bait and switch that i experienced because i've had so many jobs so and i mean that's just that's just you know i just been all over but um i work in chicago and i was at i was looking on craigslist um, I don't know when, when did I come? I was living in Alaska. I came back from Alaska and I just, you know, so I wasn't, I was in Alaska for five years. So I was still trying to like figure out what was new in Chicago at that time. So I really didn't know my, like what was the bad in yeah, the middle. Yeah, <laughs> so, so I had to yeah. learn a little bit, you know, and so curls, I'll drop names. I have no problem with that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Curls uh, is on Michigan Avenue, and it was it's a sports bar. Let's get real, but like they also the name of the place Curls Curl K R O L L S. So it's on Michigan, like on 15th or 16th in Michigan. So um, yeah, and you know, so then when there's events at Soldier Fields, they get real, really. Um, so I, you know, I knew it was like busy place so why not apply for it the job was a supervisor a kitchen nighttime supervisor job and I was like okay that's cool I'll just run the nighttime and call it a day and I get there and um I meet with the owner it's a Wisconsin owned restaurant so they they brought their recipes over into Chicago it's like butter butter burgers and roaster chicken good stuff you know I liked it yeah (laughs) yeah but go in the kitchen and I should have like red flags are going off like crazy, you know, like 
just it was just a mess. And um, but I was like, whatever. I you know just just check it out, like give it the benefit of the doubt. And so they so like yeah, you'll be the nighttime supervisor. And I was like, okay, cool. So she like leaves me, and then I'm like standing in the kitchen, like okay, what do I do? And then like two hours later, the guy that runs the kitchen comes in. And I was like, okay, so what do I do? And he's like, so what did you get hired for? Like, he didn't even know what I was there for or anything. And then uh-huh. it was just like a hot mess. Like, and then, I, you know, and eventually what was out, what, they just needed someone to run the tickets on like busy night during the nighttime. But like the guys that were all working were no offense to anybody ever, but like they were all definitely convicts. Like they definitely were served in jail at all. <laughs> Maybe they live in halfway houses. I don't know, but they were definitely very sketchy, dangerous people that I had to tell to make chicken sandwiches and flatbreads. You know, and like, so it did not go well. And I was not like about to like even with the full line. I was just like, you guys know what to do. Like, I, there was no running the kitchen. Yeah, you know. And then so eventually, it's once again these situations where where Ellen mentioned this at the onset where. You know, I'm given a title, but the title doesn't mean anything. Right. Like, you <laughs> you're a dishwasher yeah. who then sometimes gets to do cool shit. And it's like, yeah. that, doesn't, that doesn't work in this industry. I, I want to take this in a little bit of an interesting direction because I think there's some underlying things. And it kind of comes to, Ellen, you mentioned the fluidity. So I want to start with you. There's this idea of pay range and based on experience that I think is garbage and needs to go away. This like, let's just go with line cook. Let's say for example, where it's like uh, 14 to $18 an hour based on experience. And the reality is what they're trying to do is pay everybody $14 an hour, but bring people in who are at the level and then find an excuse to, to pay the $14. So I'm fascinated in that as that in and of itself is a bait and switch as well. Keisha, real life, Keisha's kid uh, needs some attention. So uh, Ellen, jump in and uh, and we'll bring Keisha back in the conversation. Yeah, I, I think that is a big part of the bait and switch. Again, I, I go back to what I said before about people who are hungry and, and who want to move up from dishwasher to prep cook, from line cook to sous chef and whatnot. Um, those of us in that spot, we're going to be willing to take $14 an hour. Our minimum wage in New Hampshire is under $8 an hour. Over the border in Massachusetts, I believe it's 15. Um, but you know, a line cook job around here, you're you're gonna start at 14 or 15 dollars an hour. Um, they're gonna say in the ad nothing besides based on experience. And if you show up for the interview, they assume you're interested, and they usually offer you 14 or 15 dollars an hour, and maybe you negotiate another 25 cents an hour, but you don't know how many hours you're gonna be worked. So right. so it's very um it's a gamble every time every time we apply for a job. I mean, just like Keisha was saying, you don't know what you're walking into. Half the time the staff, the existing staff doesn't know who you are, that you're coming, what your title is, or any of that. I, I'm sure most of us have had this happen where you get hired in either a regular line cook role or a supervisory role. You show up your first day and a team asks, who are you? What are you here for? and nobody told them that you were coming nobody told them that there was a new supervisor or anything like that and um and that goes both ways too a lot of times we'll walk onto a new job and we're unaware of who's in charge and it's usually uh, 
part of my language, but it's usually the person with the biggest balls in the kitchen, whether they have the title or not, calling the subs. And nobody ever tells you, this is the manager, here's the sous chef over here, this guy's been here for 12 years. So it's, it's just a big unknown, you know, we walk in taking a risk every time we take a new job, I think. As we need to have like a a data like a data chart for just like people who experience these horrible jobs like we need something to you don't have an onboarding um you know the industry i mean there's places that have great onboarding programs and hiring practices mm -hmm. but i think um in especially the the smaller places the mom and pop joints um there, there's really no real onboarding and whether it's, you know, even staging or staging is like, what is the standard for that? Is that, is that mean you're working for free for a shift or does that mean that you're coming into the kitchen for 45 minutes to supervise how the well, kitchen there's no guidelines. You know, like no what does guidelines. that mean? What's the standard? And um, yeah, if you're showing up for, for a position that you've been hired for. I mean, that actually happened to me too once, but it's it's just like, where is the onboarding? How do you, how does, how, how does the company decide how they're going to welcome employees? You know, and and yeah. it would be nice if um I know that hiring practices can't be standardized across um the industry across the 50 states, but it would be really great if there was some kind of um united clarification so people knew what to expect you know um or or some type of like uh accountability you know like like if you're not doing this then people need to know you're not doing this because that's the problem like yeah. you're so blind we're so blind yeah i think I mean, there's language. yelp you know so we need like a yelp for chefs and, yeah. and restaurant well, there's, industry there's, gla there's glass door and i i feel like oh, yeah. glass door is going to end up becoming something within the hospitality industry here here's here's the challenge of it is language matters like we're in the business of, of language right we we are communicators mm -hmm. we choose food beverage and hospitality as our medium yet we're purely communicators we're communicating something about ourselves about our team about our city uh, about our culture so i think language is going to matter we talked about stages a little bit we're going to talk about it a lot more because what started as the stagiaire of like an educational base think of internship and apprenticeship has turned into the potential to be like, just go chop onions for eight hours. Like oh, yeah, that, exactly. that has no value. Yes. So language is going to matter because I think what's going to end up happening is when you say, hey, come in for a stage, there needs to be follow-up to that statement. There needs to be follow-up to the working interview. Are we talking about a shadow? Are we talking about an hour? Are we talking about three to four hours? Am I actually jumping in? Like, what is the expectation? And then what's a reasonable exchange of either... Like a free meal, a free meal, pay for somebody if they're actually going to be producing labor that leads to sales or are they going to be shadowing? Are they going to show off some skills like there, there's different expectations and each of those would have a different expectation of the type of person that's going to come for that job. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's yeah. back. to this. I mean, Ellen, I'm going to use the word fluidity like all the time from now on, because it is it is hell. The, the position you thought you were hiring for in the restaurant five days later when you interview maybe something different because two more people quit because you're an asshole and you have, you do have the biggest balls in the kitchen and you use them to to put people oppress people and you wonder yeah. why everybody is leaving and so yeah now you have to hire three more positions so 
I think but that's also is, like that behavior also needs to be accountable though because like that's not okay either. Chefs have gotten this idea that that in order to be a strong leader in the kitchen that you need to be loud and and aggressive. And I I thought that's a dying breed. That's a dying breed. And it's going to, and people are not going to be, I've never worked in a place where there, where it's acceptable for a long period of time. No, I I have, but not in the last 15 years. I I definitely saw. Okay. So that's a, it's a dying breed. That is, you know, that. Um, I still see it though, but not with. It's um, there. Yeah, for sure successful guys the ones that are not the successful ones on the game are calm controlled always and they're the best and people work there for longer than two years you know like well there's a nurturing thing there right they take take people in teach them and and share the knowledge and that's why they're and that's why people love the industry i mean there's always the yin and the yang the good and the ugly you know there's a lot of ugly (laughs) there's a lot of good (laughs) greatest strength is also greatest weakness if you don't nurture it properly so i'm a i'm a i'm a big believer in that you know there's some things that are going to come out of this and, and the three of you and everybody tuning in can count on on myself sophie andrew Corey, our whole team at Best Served is to continue to highlight the human stories, right? Because it's just as a chef, I've had to I've had to reflect on the fact that I thought getting plates thrown in my head was a badge of honor. It was just fucking stupid and toxic and it led to burnout, you know? And so I have to grapple with that all the time. I have to take my own medicine and say, like, there's lots of things that I've done in the industry that have led to the industry being what it yeah, is. And I have to take a bathroom break. You know, you got to take the bathroom break. Even it's if, so know. funny. One of the nicknames I mentioned this before, uh, in this live I did yesterday is one of the nicknames I had was the camel because I never yeah. took a bathroom break because I wouldn't because I had to stay on. Well, I heard all that. The That's time. what made me think of it. Cause I, cause hearing that clip that you said about that, it made me think too. Yeah. I've Oh, you're actually telling me you listen to that. Okay. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> so right. It's like how many of us have gone to work yeah. thinking it's okay to to not take care of human functions. And and then we're we do not we're not even have health insurance, you know? Like oh, yeah. you want to put us all in these crazy environments but not offer health insurance. It's like yep. Yeah, that's this is the reason why I'm not in the industry, is because I am a mother and I just can't sell my soul anymore and like i need my kidneys health insurance and you know i want to be in his life i don't want to be gone when he's home from school you know i saw a great um you know offering um or, or not having health insurance for food and beverage workers is looting you know this last year i saw that is basically that you're that you know having asking people to come to work during a health pandemic and not asking and not being able to give them health insurance or benefits for that or to deal with that is it's really i mean maybe this year is as tragic as it's been can really shed light on on those issues and changes because I've been lucky. I've I've had jobs for at least 15 years where I've had benefits, but I know that um, those Great. jobs were really hard to get. And um, yeah, they're and I know that I'm in the the minority there. So I feel for for the industry when I know that they don't have insurance. You know. Yeah. You know, one of the things Keisha is a, a prime example of this, where it's like we have to make decisions between. Uh, living a life and being in this industry. And that's just not a position, a decision we should have to make. Like we should be able to commit ourselves 
to to a career path that allows us to have a I don't know a path to retirement. Imagine that. Like, you know, one of the one of the core principles that I've built trying to build all this on is like imagine a world where the norm is 65 year old line cooks getting ready to retire because we built an equitable profitable and sustainable model for this industry where they have that opportunity i don't know any 65 year old line cooks right so the reality (laughs) is we all eventually are on our way out anyway and so keisha i mean you're a prime example of the fact that we're losing the most talented passionate people in this industry and that is a huge vulnerability. We're not paying. I'm not, I did not lose the ind- I did not leave the industry. I'm still in the food industry. I do food science. I make sure, sure no one's getting sick. Okay. Like, let's say, say restaurants know. are then. Maybe, I'm, maybe still lost the, yeah. I'm still so, part of the food supply. Yeah. So, so here's, here's something I, I want to end, end with, because I think it's important for us to reflect on this. We have to cultivate future leaders in this industry. We have to cultivate an industry yeah. where, all four of us and anybody else who touches the food system, to your point, Keisha, has a, a clear path to a life, <laughs> like a life that is sustainable for all of us, because we can't just keep churning through 19 year old kids and building an industry on just bodies and hands and no, expecting we need okay. that we have yeah. any sustained opportunity at success. So I want to I want to finish yeah, with that. Man. Ellen, Keisha, Heather, in that order, I want to come to you. Any last thoughts, Ellen, for you? Last thoughts as we wrap up here. Uh, Yes, last thoughts on what was said about um, being able to be a human being while holding a job. Simple things like bathroom break. (laughs) I'd like a job. You can have the job, and you should know that I treat my staff very well. Great. Thank you, Chef. Here I am for my first shift. First shift happens. You're on the line for seven hours. And you can't even use the restroom. You know what I mean? Um, so there's this huge disparity between these jobs that are sort of being sold to us right now, because at least in this region, um, there are a lot of vacancies in kitchens. Yeah. And the disparity between what's being sold to you as a prospective employee and the reality of your first shift and however long you stay there. So, yeah. Uh, I appreciate that as well. Keisha, for you, any last thoughts, any any hopes you have? Look, Keisha, <laughs> maybe more specifically, I now am an elder statesman in the industry, been in the industry for 20 plus years, right? And now I have two young sons. My family has been in this industry for 121 years, five yeah. consecutive generations. Like, yeah. and I think about family legacy all the time. And I had to ask myself, would I want my kids to be the sixth generation? I said, fuck no. No. And then I said, you no. know what? Now I have to commit myself to build an industry. And, and it doesn't it suck. Yet. Doesn't it suck? Like I so. can't teach my kid the alphabet, but my kid knows how to peel potatoes and chop garlic. This is where I'm good at doing. That's what I'm good at doing. And I'm good, you know, and I taught so many people. So it's like, it's a damn shame, isn't it? It's a shame that we feel this way, but you know, like that's, I, I still am in the food supply and I see all the money that gets spent on food into like what we talked about before, like to have all these people and in involvement and just getting that dish to your table to have a dishwasher start to make it. It's just like, it blows my mind. Like if you ever think about the food supply, there's hundreds of people and things in place and, and, you know, for us to even eat anything, to put anything in our mouth and for the, for the only people that are not being appreciated and not getting paid are the people that are serving it and cooking it. Everyone else is being taken care of. Everybody else gets health insurance. 
and 401ks and paid time off, you know, like, and it's just, it's just crazy to me that no one in this industry feels like that's an issue and no one's standing up to fight against it. And they definitely need solutions to these problems. And if I'm feeling this and you guys are feeling this, I'm sure thousands of other people are feeling it and probably have hundreds of millions of stories to tell. Cause I mean, I've been in industry for 13 years. I could literally tell you hundreds of horror stories. I mean, I have a fucking oven fall on me. Okay. Like it wasn't, it wasn't pushed into, it was a flatbread oven. It fell right on me, you know, and I didn't have health insurance and they were worried about workers comp and stuff like that. And like, I'm, I don't care. I was okay. You know, like some Vicodin and some burn cream did the job. <laughs> but like, but uh. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like no one cares for the bot like we're the like how are the chefs and the servers the bottom feeders of the whole food supply because that's what we are we're the bot we're at the very bottom like wow. you know it's just you know and that's and it needs to be changed and who's gonna who's gonna bring us all together and the four of us unify are. unify us. The four Something, of us are going to start right and, here. And, it's not, and maybe our day. kids could keep it going. You know what I mean? Like that generation is dying. That yeah. that in your face, spitting in your face, throwing boiling water at you, sizzle plans. I mean, it's still there, <laughs> but yeah. it's dying and people are not putting up with it. You know, they're and just they, not. When you say it does start with us, I feel like um, part of my responsibility to this problem is that because I came up in the industry when it was pretty, very misogynistic, I was like the first female on a lot of fine dining floors and, and stuff that I, that we put up with stuff. And then 10, 15 years later, we know it's wrong. And when I have, you know, a, a 20 something year old kid asking about taking a meal break at 630 and I freak out because I'm like, that's unheard of. You can never take a break between five and nine o'clock. You know, that's crazy. Um, realizing, yeah, like my problem there is that I should have made sure that this kid knew that he had to eat before that time and made yes. sure that he was taken care of you know, and, and take those simple things that leader to say, okay, it's, it's four o'clock. How are my, is, is everybody eaten? Is everybody taken mm -hmm. care of? Have you all had your bathroom breaks? You know, are you ready? Um, what can I do to help you if you're not, or do you need food? Let me get you something to eat, you know, and, and kind of like cultivating a, a different environment than what we came up in. And I think that that's the hardest yeah. thing to do to say, well, be hard. why did you have it better than me? You know, instead of saying, you know, I had it kind of messed up and I don't want that to happen to you. That's it. Mic drop. And we're humans. And we're humans. We have so to good. Heather, I could not agree more. We have to take on the responsibility of that leadership and cultivate what we can't say kids these days have it this and that and the other. The reality is like we're we're pissed off about the situations we put ourselves into and that we are put through. And now you end up finding ways to project that on other people it's not it's yeah. not the way forward it has to be about sitting down at a table like this having a meaningful conversation figuring out how we build what are we actually trying to build and for me it comes down to a sense of belonging that we found our people we didn't want the other jobs we found our right. people and i want us to really focus and that's get true, back though. to that so that's it i thank yeah. you to, to all three of you for for speaking uh, yeah, again I'm everybody so sorry i was late because i'm sure Miss don't worry so about it. Don't, like, don't worry about it. We're done. <laughs> nailed it. Perfect episode. This again, everybody was Better Podcast. Anytime. 298. 
bait and switch so much more that we really were able to talk about so thanks to all three of you for being on thank you checking in with all of you thanks so much all right everyone have a great day cheers thanks for listening to the best served podcast subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at best served podcast tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes